Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Trash Talk with TK. I am TK Tom Kelly. In this episode, we'll talk about that Eagles horrendous, disgraceful, embarrassing loss to the Panthers on Sunday afternoon. We'll also talk about Eagles' potential trade possibilities. And at the end of the episode, stay tuned. I want to give you a, a television show recommendation. There's a show I've been watching that has been so interesting and so good. If you like good TV, you want to stay tuned. I'll give you um, a good recommendation. But this is Trash Talk with TK. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Now, first off, just to recap what we saw on Sunday, Eagles, Panthers, Eagles, just, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, probably one of the worst regular season losses I can remember in my lifetime. I don't remember a loss that bad in the regular season. It's not like a divisional loss, not like a, a season-crushing loss. That was That was hideous. That was dreadful. That was inexcusable on just about every level. And, you know, we've heard this week people talking about it, and there isn't just one place to put the blame. There's really not. I mean, when you blow a 17-0 lead going into the fourth quarter, that is on everybody. That is on the coaches. That is on the players. That is on the offense. That is on the defense. That is on everybody. Where you choose to, to, to put the majority of the blame, that is a personal decision. Everybody's going to have different opinions on that. But the bottom line is, that is on everybody on the team. Let's start with the defense, which is the, the natural place to start, you know, when you blow a, a large lead is, is immediately you think the defense has to hold the lead, and they absolutely do. For three quarters, that was as well as I can remember an Eagles defense playing. I mean, forget about this year. Forget about last year. I mean, that was as good as I can remember an Eagles defense playing, you know, in 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 a decade. They dominated. The Carolina Panthers. You know, Carolina, they don't have a ton of weapons, but Cam Newton's a good quarterback. I know people, a lot of people don't like Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a good quarterback. Cam Newton's a talented quarterback. Cam Newton is not an easy quarterback to defend. And through three quarters, that offense could do absolutely nothing. The Eagles were getting a pass rush. The Eagles are dominating the line of scrimmage. The corners were playing as well as they've played all year. These much maligned corners, Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, were actually playing well. And everybody felt at 17-0 like this game was over, and I think that was the problem. We'll get We'll get to that a little later on here. But for that defense... To give up that lead was completely inexcusable. And, and what I saw watching it on television is right when the Eagles went up 17-0, that, that next series, I said, I said to you know the people I was watching with, I was watching my sister-in-law's house, I said, 
The Eagles need to come out right now and end the game because this is what good teams do. You you, you score the, the touchdown to Goddard. Wentz finds Goddard for the short score uh, inside the five-yard line to give the Eagles the 17-0 lead at the end of the third quarter. That is where your defense needs to come out and stomp on the throat. Shut the door. Panthers go right down the field and score a touchdown. And they run. This is what irritated me the most. And this is why I'm telling you the focus left them. The focus was gone once they went up 17 0. If you remember on that drive, Panthers run a reverse to Curtis Samuel to the left side. He goes all the way down. It's their big play of the drive. And that was also the play where Cam Newton's leading the way and Ronald Darby, who I am totally done with. I am totally done with Robert Dar- Ronald Darby. He sucks. Bottom line, he sucks. And I know a lot of people get on Jalen Mills, and I- I've been looked at as a Jalen Mills defender. Jalen Mills has had a terrible season, too. I can't defend Jalen Mills either. But at least Jalen Mills will go up and hit somebody. Ronald Darby doesn't want any contact. He doesn't want anything. He, he just wants to, you know... Make it, he's been making business decisions all year. He knows he's going to be a free agent. He wants to get that long-term deal. You get a free shot on the quarterback who's lead blocking up the sideline, you take him out. Ronald Darby ducks under Cam Newton and lets the receiver who's running the ball pick up another 15 yards. Get out of here with that. It's nonsense. That's garbage. But anyway, they run that end around, and they get, I believe, 30 yards on that play. They then proceed... To run the exact same play a few plays later to the right side, and the Eagles fall for it again. That tells me that's complete lack of focus. You just saw the exact same play go for whatever it was 30, 35 yards to one side of the field. You then see them run literally the exact same play to the other side of the field, and you bite on it. Brandon Graham jumps down inside. Camus Grugier-Hill jumps down inside. Both those guys are supposed to have contain on the back end. You just dump, jump down inside. I almost feel like they're playing for stats. Once they go up 17-0, they feel like the game's over, and they're trying to do too much. They don't stay disciplined in their assignments. Well, you know what? That score let Carolina back in the game. That score gave Carolina some confidence when they had none. So I don't really understand where the focus is. At that point, I really don't. It's totally inexcusable for that kind of thing to happen. And this is what has, it's this exact same thing with this defense that happened in the Tennessee game. It was so reminiscent. And that drive was the turning point right there. Just like in the Tennessee game, when the Eagles went up 17-3, to if you remember, Carson Wentz found Alshon Jeffrey for a 17-yard touchdown or something like that. And the Eagles went up 17-3. Same exact situation. Come out, get a stop, get the ball back, end the game. What does the defense do? They come out unfocused. They think the game's over. They're not staying disciplined. They're not staying in their lanes. They're not taking care of their responsibilities. Everybody trying to be a hero. What happens? You give up a score and you let a team that has no confidence, no business being in a game back in the game. It was the same exact thing. Tennessee had not scored anything aside from a field goal on their opening possession in that game. They get a touchdown and look what happened the rest of the way. Their offense got confidence. This game, Carolina had not scored a point until the fourth quarter. They get that touchdown. Their offense took off. 
They got all sorts of confidence from that drive. So I see a defense that loses focus when they get big leads. That didn't happen last year. Last year, and first of all, I'm tired of talking about last year. I really don't want to do it anymore. Because I'm so tired of when this team loses or something bad happens. Oh, they'll bounce back. They won the Super Bowl last year. Who the hell cares? What does that mean right now? What does that matter right now? Nothing. It, th- them winning the Super Bowl last year does not matter at all this season. And I'm tired of hearing about it. I really am. I'm, I'm sick of hearing it. It does not matter. And this defense, their inability to hold these big leads is infuriating. And the defensive coordinator, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, apparently, he decides you get a big lead, change your whole game plan. Yeah, that's smart. The offense hasn't been doing anything. He did the same thing against Tennessee. I mean, this, this game and the Tennessee game were eerily similar. Eerily similar. The more egregious part is this game was at home. This should never happen at home. It should never happen, period. Certainly never happen at home. And that was disgraceful from Jim Schwartz. It was disgraceful from everybody on that defense, from the front to the secondary. Everybody should be ashamed of the way Carolina was able to come back and dominate the fourth quarter of the game after the Eagles completely dominated the first three. It's unacceptable on every level defensively. That being said, let's now look at the other side of the ball. Let's now look at the offense. Because they, to me, are if not just as much at fault, it's it's pretty close to the defense. And we can focus on the last drive, and we will talk about the last drive. But before that, okay, after Carolina scores on that drive to make it 17-6, because they missed the extra point, 17-6. After that, okay, your defense just gave up a touchdown. Let them get some time over on the sidelines, get a break, get get things back in order. There's what at that point? 10 minutes left in the game? Uh, not much. Pick up some first downs, run some clock. Can't pick up a first down. Three and out, give the ball back. Carolina goes down, scores again. Okay. seven. They get the two, 17-14. Okay, offense, you didn't do it last time. Go out, get a first down. There's like four minutes left at this point. Get a first down or two, end the game. They did it last year against the Chargers. Remember, the Eagles were up two in that game. Got the ball back with seven minutes left. Seven minutes left. Ran the clock down. It was a beautiful clock-killing drive. Inability to do so. Three and out. Give the ball back. And then you have the last drive where, you know, they're unable to score. And that was inexcusable as well. But people want to talk about the run-pass ratio. I think it's overblown, personally. Yeah, you want to run the ball late in games. But the Eagles were moving the ball effectively through the air. Like Doug Peterson said, you know, the Eagles were running RPOs. They're they're not straight pass plays. It's Carson Wentz's decision to throw the ball there. By the way, he completed some of those for short gains. But the clock kept running. You know, you were able to complete those into positive plays. But the inability to, to pick up first downs is concerning whether you're throwing it or running the ball. It's 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 an, it's it's inexcusable. You got to find a way to kill the clock and win the game right there. Now let's go to the final drive. And this is where you know and I know we all love the quarterback. And I know nobody wants to criticize the quarterback. But if you're being dead honest, he was terrible, terrible on that final possession. And if we're going to judge him fairly, 
and we're going to judge him the way we judge other top quarterbacks around the league, which I think we all think and hope that he is, or the way that we judged former quarterbacks in this town, you got to say that he failed miserably in that spot. You get the big pass interference play, you get the ball at the 21-yard line. First down, I still think I agree, pick that pass off. Terrible throw from Carson Wentz. Um, a miscommunication, I'd assume, between him and Zach Ertz because I don't know who he was throwing to. It was kind of in between Ertz and Goddard. I'm expecting, I'm assuming that he thought a receiver was going to be in a place where they weren't. But it doesn't excuse the fact that he missed the throw. And if the guy's not where you think he's going to be, you need to come off and go a different place or you need to take off and run. You can't throw the ball in that spot. Okay, you get a reprieve. They overturn the call. Second down, positive run. This play was the killer. Third and two. And this is where this was a terrible decision by Carson Wentz, and he needs to be held accountable for it. Third down, he is completely zeroed in on Alshon Jeffrey. He did not work through his progressions. He did not look anywhere else on that play. He was looking the entire way straight at Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey was double covered. I don't care how good a throw he makes. You're not fitting that pass in there. He tries forcing it. It should have been picked. He's fortunate it wasn't. And we all know at this point from, you know, the, the, um, the beauty of Twitter that he had other options on that play. He had Wendell, Wendell Smallwood wide open in the flat for at least the first down. I'm guessing he doesn't get in the end zone because defense will converge. But Wendell Small, Smallwood probably gets at least close to the five-yard line on that play, and then you have, you know, four cracks to put it in from the five, that is not excusable from Carson Wentz. We need more from him. We need more from him. If he is a franchise, and we we know he's a franchise quarterback. I mean, that that we know he's a franchise quarterback. But if he's in that top class, if he's in that top tier with Brady, with Rodgers, with Breeze, he's putting that in the end zone. Because how many times in that spot late in the game do you see Brady, do you see Rodgers, do you see Breeze in that exact situation? How many times do they fail? Barely ever. Barely ever. I mean, three times in the the last few weeks, Carson Wentz and this offense have been in positions where they are in the red zone. And a touchdown wins the game. At the end of the Tennessee game and regulation, don't get it done, settle for a field goal, go to overtime. First drive of overtime, go down the field, you can end it with a touchdown, settle for a field goal. Tennessee goes down, scores a touchdown, wins the game. And in this game, touchdown wins the game. Can't get it done. Three times. Three times this season. The Eagles have been in that situation and failed. How many times does Aaron Rodgers fail in that spot? How many times does Tom Brady fail in that spot? How many times does Drew Brees fail in that spot? Not a whole lot. And is it a high bar? Yeah, it's a high bar. But that just goes to show how much we think of Carson Wentz. Like, it's it's, it's not demeaning to be frustrated with Carson Wentz and put this on him to a degree for not getting in the end zone. If anything, it's a, it's a, a respect 
that we expect him. We we know he's capable of doing so much that he's got to he's got to get the job done there. He's got to get the job done there. And I think the play calling's being overblown because hey, Doug can't say on third and two. You know, he can't go out and throw his quarterback under the boss. He can't go out and say, hey, I had the right call. The quarterback threw the wrong guy. Because that's basically what happened. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey's the primary read, but it's on Carson Wentz to come off that read. He doesn't have to throw to Alshon Jeffrey on that play. If he worked his way through his progressions, he would have seen he had an easy first down to Wendell Smallwood. And that's on Carson. And it's okay to criticize him. We had no problem criticizing Donovan McNabb We had no problem criticizing Michael Vick. We shouldn't have a problem criticizing Carson Wentz, especially because we expect so much of him, and it's fair to expect that much because he is that good. And do I have long-term concerns about Carson Wentz? Not one bit. Carson Wentz is going to be fine. But it's fair to place some blame on him and fair to expect him to get the job done in that situation. But overall, just a dreadful loss, inexcusable and, I mean, a huge game this week for the Eagles. Now, they must beat Jacksonville. If they don't, fall to 3-5. and five, I, even in this bad division, I don't see how they, how, they, how they overcome it. I really don't. They need to win this week. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, the trade market and rumors surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, at the trade deadline a week away, the Eagles have been mentioned in, in a lot of different trade rumors. And I don't know how... To feel about all this, I don't know how the Eagles, I don't know how Howie Roseman really approaches this. Because I got to tell you, I think that this team's issues go beyond a trade or two. Like, I think these the issues that the Eagles have right now are kind of internal in a lot of ways. In terms of, you know, the, the blown leads, the, the letdowns, the lack of focus. I don't know how going out and bringing in a guy from the outside, I don't know how that's going to improve what ails this team right now. Now, I'm I'm not saying I'm totally against it. I mean, they have glaring needs. If you can get a guy like Patrick Peterson, I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for him. But if you can get a guy like Patrick Peterson, I'd certainly look at that. You know, he's a guy signed on beyond this year. He would be an upgrade over your two corners who have been bad. I mean, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby have been bad unless they dramatically improve. You're you're not going to be able to do what you need to do in the back end um, to to make the playoffs and, and go where you want to go. So I'd be open to that kind of a move, but I think people need to be hesitant when you look at making trades and you think it's just going to be a cure-all. It's not. It's not going to cure everything that ails this team because there's a lot that ails this team right now. There are a lot of issues that go beyond just personnel. I don't think personnel in a lot of ways is the problem. I mean, look at the offensive line. The offensive line hasn't played well. It's it's the same personnel. It's the same guys. Like, yeah, Sayamalu stepped in and played for Wisniewski, but Sayamalu's played okay. I mean, he, he had a rough game early against Minnesota. But outside of that, Sayamalu's been fine. Like, he hasn't been an issue. So on the offensive line, it's the same personnel. The guys just aren't playing as well. You know, and when you look at the Le'Veon, I, I've heard Le'Veon Bell talked about for weeks. I, I don't want Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell has made it abundantly clear to everybody in the league. He doesn't want to play this year. And what would stop you from trading for him? Okay, he has to come in week seven to get his um, accrued year. Okay, he can come in, he can fake a hamstring injury and sit out. So I don't, I don't want a guy that's not invested. I, I don't think running back is a 
huge need. I think you can get by with the running backs you have. I really do. Running back in this league, I know unless you have one of those top-tier guys, you can get by with the other guys. And I think the Eagles will be fine in that spot. You know, obviously, you'd like to have better players than Clement, Smallwood, and Adams. But I think what really this offense is lacking, and I've said it before, is a downfield threat. Torrey Smith uh, wasn't great last year, but at least you see now what he provided in terms of a guy that can just run down the field and occupy attention. Because without that downfield threat, since Mike Wallace has been out and Mike Wallace never was on the field at the same time as Alshon Jeffrey, so when Alshon was out, things, things changed as well. But you see without that downfield threat, Nelson Aguilar doesn't have the space to work that he had last year. You know, Nelson Aguilar has been hurt dramatically by not having a downfield threat. That's how Nelson Aguilar was so so productive last year, is you have to keep attention deep. Nelson Aguilar gets one-on-one coverage underneath. He makes a catch, he makes one guy miss, and it's a big play. This year, Nelson Aguilar catches the ball, he makes one guy miss, he's got to make two other guys miss. Because there's, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is great at, at being a big body, going getting jump balls, but he's not a downfield burner that all the defenses really need to to account for. So if I was going to go out in the trade market, I've said it before, I'd go get Deshaun Jackson. You know, Tampa Bay winning last week kind of hurts you in that regard because maybe they still think they're in it. But Tampa Bay, I could see, you know, being realistic, knowing they really don't have a chance to make the playoffs. They owe Deshaun a lot of money. You know, they're not going to keep him beyond this year anyway. They're going to cut him because he's, his cap hits big. That's the guy I would go after. I would go trade for Deshaun Jackson. He's exactly what the offense is missing. And while I don't think personnel is largely the problem, I think that is where personnel is an issue. And I think the Eagles do need that downfield threat. And getting a guy like Deshaun Jackson could open everything else up. I'm glad they didn't get Amari Cooper because I don't think Amari Cooper is really what they need. Amari Cooper is kind of an Alshon Jeffrey comp. You know, he's not a downfield burner. He's a big body guy who can go up and, like Alshon Jeffrey, rip balls away. That's not really what you needed. So I'm kind of glad the Eagles didn't go out and get him. They need a burner. Deshaun, you can get get cheaper. He can stretch the field. He'll make big plays. And when he's not making big plays, he'll open things underneath for Aguilar. More for Ertz, who's been great anyway. More for Dallas Goddard. More the passing game to the running backs has been, like, non-existent. Well, that was a big factor last year. Look at a guy like Corey Clement. Just like Aguilar, that downfield threat opens things up for when you have that guy, you know, the running backs catch the ball, they just need to break a tackle from a linebacker, and they're off to the races. This year, you break one, he's got to break two more, and, and it's not giving you those big chunk plays that you had last year. So I would look, number one need, a big play receiver, and also, I mean, earlier today, a huge blow, Derek Barnett done for the season. I just don't know where you're getting another pass rusher. Michael Bennett has been tremendous for this team this year. Michael Bennett's been far better than I thought he'd be. But you need more. I I don't think you're going to be able to go get a pass rusher at this point in the year. I think receiver and corner are where you look to improve. But you need the guys internally to step up. Brandon Graham and Chris Long were great last year. Brandon Graham and Chris Long have both been bad this year. They've both been bad. They're great, great locker room guys. You know, we love them, but they have both been bad this year, and they both need to step up now. Because Michael Bennett's going to play a lot more snaps, which worries you because he's an older guy. I like the role he was in when he's kind of, you know, fresher. But without Barnett, Brandon Graham and Chris Long must step up 
I think where you look is is wide receiver, big play receiver first, a downfield burner guy, and then potentially a um, a lockdown corner like a Patrick Peterson. And now to close out this episode of Trash Talk with TK, I want to break away from sports a little bit and talk about a show that I have been watching the past couple nights and I highly recommend. First off, I want to start by saying it is not for the faint at heart. If you um, are easily frightened, if you are easily scared, you might want to stay away. But if you like that kind of thing, if you like the horror genre, a show that I have been watching on Netflix that is tremendous through, I'm only two and a half episodes in, but it is pretty damn interesting and frightening. I mean, if you like to be scared, it is, it is scary. I'm not afraid to admit, um, I watched a couple episodes last night and I went to bed and my apartment seemed a little darker. My apartment seemed a little uh, spookier last night. I'm 31 year old man. I'm not afraid to admit I was kind of scared by this show, but it's this show, the haunting of Hill house on Netflix. And I highly recommend it. I'm a big TV guy and I like to think that I know good TV when I see it. I mean, if you've heard me talk, I I think Game of Thrones is by far the best television show of all time. Breaking Bad, number two. And then there are a lot of shows in the mix at number three. Everything HBO does is great. But Netflix, this show, The Haunting of Hill House, is terrifying. It is so creepy. It's it's basically about these five siblings who grow up in this house that is haunted, that they don't really know at the time, and it jumps back and forth between present day when they're all grown up and back to the time when they were all children growing up in this house. And it kind of shows like these traumatizing events of these, you know, paranormal things that are happening in this house and how it's kind of shaped who these who these people become in the future. And I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to give too much away. There's already things that have happened in the first couple episodes that, that I really don't want to give away. But it is a scary television show. I'm working at WIP tonight until, you know, midnight or so, and I can't wait to go home and watch another episode. But it is it is really good. It is really frightening. And I highly, highly recommend it. If you like good television, if you like shows that scare you, but are interesting. I mean, this isn't just going for the cheap, you know, something jumps out of the back horror type type situations. This is a legitimately interesting storyline with good acting. Actually, one of the one of the characters is from Game of Thrones, Dario Naharis, but it's well acted, it's well written, it's well shot, and it's a very intriguing show. So, if you like good TV and you like to be scared, uh, check out The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. And that'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. Um, listen for me on Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'll be on this. 
Saturday night into Sunday morning, and this is going to be a fun show. I'm on 2 to 5.30 leading up to the pregame show for the London game. So you're going to want to be up. You're going to want to be getting ready for the game. Get up early if you're, you're having a little breakfast Eagles football party. Give me a call. It'll be a good time. If you're headed out to London, give me a call. It'll be fun. Um, a fun show. I'm looking forward to that. That'll do it with Trash Talk with TK. I am TK, Tom Kelly. I'll talk to you guys next time. See you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.